And then anyway, we're flying the bird, and then all of a sudden I see two ginormous diesel trucks park and block our truck in. And then... Trouble. Never good. All of a sudden good. I see this ginormous redneck dude walking at us, and... And I intercepted him first, and, and Alyssa's he's... like, hi, my name is Alyssa, and he doesn't give He literally age. said, get the F out of my way, I'm about to kill this guy. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the Falconry's Hold podcast, and I hope everyone had a great 4th of July holiday. Sorry about the gap between episodes, but we were in South Africa recording their series, and that first episode will be upcoming here within the next week or so. But in the meantime, I hope everyone had a great time listening to the Arizona series and hope you all enjoyed it. And before we get started with this episode, I want to go ahead and give a quick shout out to one of the newest sponsors of our podcast, being Bobby Yaga Crafts out of Poland. If you haven't had a chance to check out his equipment yet, definitely recommend you do so. You've heard me brag about it some um, and during the Arizona series and some of the previous episodes, but it's definitely high-quality handcrafted gear that's worth checking out. So if you haven't yet, I highly recommend you do so. The contact information to get a hold of them is on our website at falconrytold.com. Send them an email, check out the socials, do what you need to do, but definitely get you some good quality handcrafted equipment from them. You won't regret it. And this episode was actually recorded leading up to the Spring Rendezvous back in April. Haven't had a chance to release it yet due to other scheduling needs and all that kind of stuff, but we decided while I was visiting with Joe and Alyssa and I was staying at their place during the Spring Rendezvous one night to go ahead and just have one of those fun impromptu recording sessions to just kind of... um, you know, just catch up and just talk about random stuff and just kind of see where things went with the conversation. And of course, we haven't had them on the podcast yet, so I wanted to let them share their falconry story and, um, you know, some of their other hunting stories and things. So anyway, I will go ahead and turn things over to this conversation with Joe and Alyssa. And before I do that real quick, I also want to wish them congratulations on the newest addition to their family, too. I'm really happy for you guys and glad everything went well and uh, look forward to to seeing the new kiddo in person sometime soon. So anyway, here we go. It doesn't seem like it, but it's already been a year since the last time I was out here hanging out. And uh, yeah, man, it's been it's been an interesting year. I know we were talking about you know, our seasons a little bit ago and stuff, but, um, yeah, what's, uh, what's you guys's in a nutshell season look like or what, what did it look like this past year? You start. Well, my season was, a the darker side of falconry season. Um, I was telling you earlier, Jonathan, that, uh, I started a, uh, new Tirsal hybrid and, I poured literally every bit of experience from, you know, all the birds that I've had through falconry and abatement. Uh, I poured all that experience into this bird, all the advice from all of my past mentors. And uh, it was a, you know, 2022 Tiersel hybrid from Danny Ertzgard. What was the hybrid? Yeah, Jure Peregrine. Jure Peregrine, yep. Um, Just an incredible bird. I got him at 55 days old. 
And <clears throat> yeah, just just treated him like gold from the get-go. And that's what I got out of him. Like he progressed perfectly. He did everything that I asked him to do. And I would not say, only that, but he had like a super cute personality. Yeah, super, <laughs> super personable, like which you I feel like you don't typically get just from a bonus. from chamber birds. He had like an imprint side to him where he was just like happy to see me and uh not fearful. And I don't know if it's the genetics or, you know, how he was raised or what but he was the perfect bird in my opinion and so uh i started balloon training him by the end of you know the uh probably the second month i had him ballooning 2000 feet regularly and serving him off on pigeons and ducks and <clears throat> we were just about to get into the duck season and it definitely was a very controversial time because of avian influenza whether or not we were going to pursue you know flying them um i was i think at the time i was waiting to see what the the most recent data was with the duck season opening uh, to see whether or not i was going to pursue them but i was going to get him prepped for it anyway um so i had given him given him several baggies that we had tested to see if they had they were positive or not. Um, but anyway, yeah, this last flight <clears throat> that I flew him, I think I served him off at 1,800 feet, and he came down, and he smacked the pigeon. And I had done this, you know, dozens and dozens of times with him and other past birds. I cropped him up and was going to fly him, you know, give him a day off and then fly him the following day. And I ended up going out there um, the following day, and he was awesome. I was like, great, I'll fly you tomorrow. And I went out there the following day, so two days after uh, we, we had flown, and he was 50 grams below flying weight. And so immediately I brought him inside, and I you know, gave him a small meal and you know, hydrated him. And kept him warm inside the house and was like, okay, I'm going to give you one or two weeks off, you know, get your weight back up. Uh, the following day, he was pumping on the block and like anxious to fly. And I was like, awesome, we're making some progress, but I'm still going to take it slow. You know, another small meal, another small meal. And then I think the third or fourth meal, I gave him a, you know, probably bigger size crop than I should have. And he ended up getting sour crop and he went downhill very, very quickly from there. And it sucked very badly. And so that was the end of my, pretty much my long wing season. I was pretty much crushed. And, you know, I was like, he I'm, died on my birthday. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was horrible. And immediately I was like, I am done with falconry. I don't want to do it anymore. We've all this, had is, that feeling. this is too heartbreaking. <laughs> this is horrible. I had just. Literally, this bird, I would go to sleep at night thinking about the flight from that morning and what we were going to do the following day. It was not it, about your lovely wife. Well, <laughs> I thought about that after. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> just making sure I was in there somewhere. <clears throat> but it was just like a super awesome bird, and I absolutely loved him. And 
um, it sucked that it ended that way. I had hoped that this would be my 10, 15 year bird, just a, you know, direct, you know, to the point, wonderfully flying Tiersel hybrid. That's, that's what I want. And so anyway, I, you know, was pretty much devastated after that for a couple of months and didn't want anything to really do with falconry. And, um, we actually pulled off on the side of the road and we had a, the, uh, the hoop trap and a sparrow. And I threw the trap out and we caught a super dark Jack. And I was like, if this Jack, you know, if we can find something like this, then I would gladly fly it. Oh, the Merlin? Yeah. And I ended up, um, on Christmas day after we did our Christmas opening presents and everything, um, my buddy Daniel and I, we went out and uh, just literally down the road from our house, trapped a female Merlin, and I trained her up, and uh, I ended up catching a quail and some other things. <laughs> and then at the end of the season, a couple or a month ago or so, I ended up releasing her. But that tided, you know, held me over until the end of the season. And this year, I would like to get a brother to that Tearsoul hybrid that. I had previously had and hopefully replicate that. So nice. Well, now that we've established that Alyssa's birthday is bad luck yes. and, uh, and <laughs> the, everything else. The worst day ever my whole life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was on my birthday anyways. I was like, well, this is not good. But that's yeah. okay. No, that was, that, that was the worst. Yeah. Well, worst how did, you, how did you end up doing with your Merlin and stuff too? I didn't, I remember seeing things here and there, but. Yeah, they're just, they're all so different. I keep learning every year about just every single one is so different. Um, You don't know what you're going to get. And they're all able to do the thing. But it's just a matter of, is it going to be enjoyable or not? Yeah. And so um, I had an intermute bird. She ended up getting lost for seven days with my transmitter on her. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was just giving me the finger (laughs) and I had everything out in front of her, a whole buffet and she would fly over my head and go catch something else. And I saw her catch a quail and yeah, so I was glad to get that money back off of her (laughs) and turn her loose again. And then we ended up, I trapped another bird. I thought that was going to be a keeper for sure. She was great at quail hunting for sure, but she did not like me or anything else. The dog particularly. The dog, anybody's dog. If somebody's dog was barking in a backyard, she would just take off. Um, And she also had a really unique way of hunting, which I think they all kind of show you after. You have to go through the whole process of, you know, getting them going. But her way was to have like a little quadrant that she would circulate and once the birds were onto her and knew that she was in the area she would move on to the next section and that wasn't really good for me because I kind of wasn't there (laughs) most of the time Uh, but she ended up catching most of her stuff near me she caught a bunch of doves and quail and then I trapped another merlin and got her going and she was really pleasant so she caught a couple quail before the season ended and then she got sick and um but she seems fine now that's good yeah so I, i'm gonna intermute her and see what happens i guess good good yeah. I, like i said i remember seeing occasional posts like on instagram and stuff but uh yeah you know how it is once you get into a groove it's like 
finding time to even keep up with your own stuff, <laughs> let alone other people's stuff, and especially trying to be off social media more. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, you know, all that kind of crap. It's just, you know. But. I think it's really fun, though. On social media, every year there will be like a bird or two that really stands out, and you don't even know who's flying it. You just know the bird. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. this is going to be a great story because that bird always does great. Yeah, and you wonder like just how much other – you know, weird side shenanigan stuff was really going on with it as opposed to, <laughs> that's you know, for sure too. Yeah, the stuff that you don't know about. See, that's the thing I always, I always wonder about the things that nobody knows about, oh, you know, like, cause there's, there's always some good stuff uh, out oh, there for sure. Oh, every, yeah. Everybody only posts the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's hard enough, like, you know, just for me, it's hard enough to manage one bird and feel like I'm doing a good enough job. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is more of just that whole like self-deprecating, you know, outlook that we oftentimes have as Falconers, you know, like always being our own biggest critic, you know, as far as that kind of stuff goes. But oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's I easy mean, to get in your head for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, with my travel schedule and everything else. I mean, and trying new quarry this season and, and the whole like, like I was telling Joe, this is the first season that I've actually really committed to trying, you know, uh, predominantly squirrels and stuff. And oh, so, you know, with a red tail, yeah, with a red tail. And it's been, like I said, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. I'm kicking myself for not Are you having it fun with it. Oh, I had a lot of fun with it. I yeah. keep hearing it's like the best kind of falconry. It's well, in my humble opinion, it's the best kind of dirt hawking for sure. Better least. than rabbits, huh? Oh yeah. Well, have you hunted Western rabbits? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah, I've hunted jackrabbits. I've hunted western cottontails. I've hunted eastern cottontails. I've hunted like California cottontails. Like smaller, like Kansas cottontails. So I will no. say that you're spot on. Once you see like red tail slope soaring cottontails, that's like a whole nother. Have you ever done that? Part. Slope? No, I've not. Uh, I've not ever soar hawked. Oh, so there could be. I I guess that was a poorly phrased. I've never hunted a hawk out of a sore before. There you go. Yeah. There could be something better than squirrel hawking then. Possibly. It's a little bit more visual because obviously like the same thing. It's like the bird is way the heck up there, but there's not all the trees impairing your view. Like everything is right there and that you can see. Yeah. Well, for me, it's the chess game. Like Mm. any time with... You know that, that I've seen red tails on rabbits, especially especially hunting out of a tree, not even so much out of the sore. But anytime I've ever seen it, it's just like as far as red tails on squirrels, it's just so much more engaging. It's a lot more fun. The chess game because that squirrel knows exactly where those holes are and knows exactly what it wants to do as far as outmaneuvering that that. That's bird. really neat. I mean, so you're trying to keep up with the squirrels. Well, yeah, thoughts. I mean, because well, once you because once you see it and you know that the bird sees it, that's just the beginning. And you know, watching watching a, a bird try and snatch one, and all it has to do is just do like a quarter turn around a trunk to get away. And then that bird has to learn to not fully commit and get back up real quick, get the height advantage back up again, and then try it all over again. And then 
this like cat and mouse game until the squirrel ultimately hopefully gets so nervous that it makes a mistake and tries to transfer to a different tree or something like that whole process can take anywhere from a few minutes to an hour you know yeah i feel like i see these falconers and they're sitting underneath the tree because their hawk's got his eye on a hole or something Mm -hmm. and they're just sitting there forever watching their bird because it won't move Mm -hmm. so does that happen um, a little bit of everything happens, just like anything <laughs> is it else. It's easy to move your bird on when they just, just just like you can watch a red tail catch a sore and then just go way bye bye too, like out in the horizon. Also, <laughs> that definitely know? happens. <laughs> I just, don't know anything about that. Yeah. My, my birds always behave just perfectly. Go way 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 out in the horizon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's it's just like anything else. I mean, you've got to be in the right setup, the right position. You know, it, it's. I don't know. To me, it's just a lot more fun, a lot more engaging. Like Hmm. watching, I mean, most of the time, especially where we're at, hunting out of trees, red tails on rabbits, it's like you'll see the hawk, you know, start to, you know, kind of eye one. And then it does its, you know, drop out of the tree and then you hear some squealing. Right. You know, like with squirrel hawking, it's all for the most part, usually right up in front of you. It's all taking place. Yeah. You can see. I can appreciate all that. That's yeah. why I like the quail hawking with the Merlin because mm-hmm. it's very like interactive. Right. It all happens in front of you and actually see everything happen. And, and you can participate too. Like yeah. You can be a vital role in whether or not that quarry gets caught. Yep. And that's that's a huge reason why I like the, the swirl stuff a lot more than just walking around aimlessly in a field trying to get a rabbit to sneak around. And well, <laughs> You know, I mean. Are you going to do it again this year? Yeah, yeah, I probably will. Um, Did you keep your red tail? Well, we had that conversation too. Oh, I missed it. There was yeah. a big storm, yeah, stormy wind, and opened it. I was, I was, I was going to end up releasing her anyway, um, but uh, I finally came to the decision to release her because I mean she had gotten bit by a squirrel, about big fox squirrel mid season that she caught, and um, the toe never like it took forever for it to heal. Mm-hmm. And since then, she's kind of been eh, on, hasn't really liked fox squirrels. She'll still go after grays. She but, has an opinion. Yeah. But I decided, I'm, in, in a nutshell, I decided to go ahead and make the decision to release her. And um, about a week or two before I planned to release her, that's when that storm happened. And the uh, winds, the high winds blew the uh, muse door open behind me one day when I went to check on her. Nice. And yeah, she decided to. Go bye bye and uh, <laughs> expedited the process. Yeah, expedited the process. Hey, basically, you saved a week's worth of hawk food. Basically, yeah. yeah. She landed on my roof and proceeded just to watch the uh, the full rabbit that I was tossing for <laughs> just to just to see if you know she. I knew that she wasn't going to come back. None she of was, us know what that feels yeah, like. She was fatter than a county dog by that point, you know. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, you know how it goes. So yeah, she expedited things by a week or two, and um, so I don't know my. My situation is always dependent on my jobs, you know, and yeah, my contracts. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And so it's going to largely depend on whether or not I take, you know, um, a closer-to-home contract around that time again or what. But I would love to fly another red tail on squirrels again. Um, it's a lot of fun. I'm sure I will. But if uh, if I'm around throughout the rest of summer and stuff too, I might try and imprint another coop or something also because that's one of those things that I still haven't gotten a chance to uh, 
be successful with yet. <laughs> What's the <laughs> main core you have out there? For coops? For anything. For anything? Yeah. Uh, pre- predominantly rabbits and squirrels. Okay. Um, and then we also have lots of, you know, dicky birds and sparrows and house sparrows and starlings and stuff too. So It's been really interesting because I... I got a lot of my birds car hawking when mm-hmm. I lived in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And while there's not a ton of car slips, there was enough yeah. to keep me busy and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Now moving out here, there's lots of car slips in the summer. Oh, yeah. But not in the winter. Yeah. So it's funny how the place that you're at definitely Where we're at, you, you a have a, yeah, a lot of those type of slips from March to May, even early June. Lots and lots of them. So yeah. is that what... You would go after with the coops? Um, Those a variety. March through May? Variety stuff. Okay. Um, but it depends also if I end up with a, you know, male or female too. Yeah. So, well, but, it sounds like a fun process. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure something will come up to screw it all up and make me change my plan again for the hundredth time, but... That's what everybody yeah. keeps trying to tell me. Yeah. If you really want to have fun catching quail, get a Cooper's hawk. That's yeah, that's what but I've always heard too. I don't but. really enjoy Cooper's hawks. Well, and they're not very fun. So no. yeah, <laughs> just starting right there. Yeah, it's gonna take much. the fun right out of it for yeah. me. Setting so many people right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's listening yet. Yeah. He'll probably edit this out. Some of it, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how I feel when I actually start to edit it. But um. Just throw it right, right out there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big exhibitor fan in general. I've been on record saying that multiple times, but that also doesn't necessarily mean that I don't want the experience and to be successful with it at least once. Also, sure. so I mean, I've tried two. I think yeah, I've tried like two passage coops and didn't get anywhere with either one of them. Just ended up turning them loose. Sounds like my experience. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just there's. Some people have, have are better suited for them personality-wise, and some people have a better formula than others, I think. but They have know. a weird, quirky personality, I think. Well, that some... That fits real well with exhibitors. I'm sure, I'm sure some do. <laughs> they know who they are. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I hunt with a few of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. But, we, all, we all have a few friends. I mean, falconers yeah. in general are quirky people. Well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we all have like our little subcategories. Well, you have to you have to have some degree of 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 uh interesting aspects of your personality to go want to like obtain something from the wild and have all that patience and effort and energy to try and <laughs> like Tame develop a partnership with something that is completely and totally wild, yeah. you know, and, um, but just the fact that they can, I think somebody was saying that birds of prey are one of the only wild animals that you can take as an adult even, or as a later older juvenile and have them come around and do the things and work with you as a hunting partner. I don't know any other animals that you can train in that kind of a way to have a partnership. I don't know. There may be, but I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know if you could get away with that with like you know a lion or, <laughs> or coyote <laughs> or anything like that. But, Just uh, trap it you know, and then wolf. I don't know. I don't put a hood on it and yeah. then <laughs> try it, Joseph. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. See what can happen. No, yeah. going back to the uh, the mm-hmm. thing, there was one season of, that I was doing abatement, and my Tearsel Barbary falcon, he caught a Tearsel Cooper's hawk. The Cooper's hawk had been hanging around. Is a juvenile Cooper's hawk. Didn't he catch it while he was tethered? 
No, I think he was flying. The Cooper's hawk came around while the birds were tethered. And, like, I would be feeding my Bateman birds on the blocks. Mm -hmm. And this Cooper's hawk would be, like, trying to, you know, he, he knew that I was feeding the birds. And um, I was out flying my Barbary falcon, and I didn't even see it happen. And next thing I know, like, I'm like, where's my bird? And then he's, like, crabbing with a Cooper's hawk. And my Barbary is going in for, like, the death kill. He's trying to find the neck to go and kill this Cooper's hawk. I'm like, what the heck? And I separate them immediately. And there's this like scrawny, tiny little Tearsel Cooper's hawk. And I separate them and I brought him into my trailer. And this little sucker, immediately I offer him some food and he starts eating. And on poor little guy. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to feed him up and, you know, get him strong enough to be released and then he uh the next day i off like just for the heck of it i like gave, offered him food like a couple feet away and he jumped to me and i was like whoa okay <laughs> and then like he, that same day he was flying across the trailer and then the next day i was like well what happens if i give you like a live collar dove and he went and killed it I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> and so I think at the end of the week, he killed a sparrow, like like a wild one in a canal. I think there was something wrong with him. I think he had worms or something because he ended up dying um, a few days later uh, when I made it back to Arizona. But yeah, he was a super cool little guy. And I've I heard that too about Coopers, that if you get like the right one and prairie falcons too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like one of the five to ten percent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, and maybe that's yeah. what maybe that's what he was, or maybe he was just really sick, and that's why he was, you know, tame from the get go. Yeah, I think. Uh, but well, like, I'm not a I'm not a sipiter guy at all. I'm a long wing guy to the core. But this was a cool little dude for yeah. sure. Well, I've had instances like that too before, where you know you you'll have a bird man down instantly, but it's because they're half starved. Yeah, you know, exactly. For, yeah. And I think that was the case with this guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it probably had something to do with it, but, but yeah, well, I mean, how many, how many years total have you guys, I know you're not doing the abatement so much anymore, Joe, but I mean, like how, how many years have you guys dealt oh, with gosh. That? Dealt with abatement? Yeah. Since 2005 for me. Oh. How old were you then? Uh, 19. Well, 18? I, okay. Well, I was 18 when I did my first agriculture contract. So are you trying to like top me? <laughs> probably. Because I'm like ten years older than you. Nine, but yeah. I um I think I did abatement for six years, six agriculture contracts, and that's what I got into initially. Um I had been a dirt hawker and I became a falconer when I was fourteen years old. Uh my uncle Mike Siamentry got me into it. And that was my entire life. I didn't have any spare money. Any spare change I had went to gas to driving to the fields so I could go fly my Harris Hawk on jackrabbits. And that was my entire life. And then I had planned to go to the Air Force Academy become a pilot. That was my game plan. Like That's what I had my heart set on. And then my grandma showed me an article about Adam Chavez doing uh, abatement in California. And I was like, what? People are making money doing falconry? What the heck? <laughs> and immediately, like, I call, I, you know, did research and I called the first abatement company that I could find, and that was Falcon Force, mm -hmm. Vahe's company. Mm -hmm. And 
um, I sent him an email, called, and then he got back to me and he's like, yeah, we have a, you know, some openings if you, you know, if you're interested. And I was like, well, I've got a, I've got a Harris Hawk. It was a passage bird. I didn't, had no idea at the time that you couldn't use like a passage Harris Hawk for abatement or anything. I was just like, yeah, I've got a Harris Hawk. I could go out and trap birds if I wanted, like, heck yeah. And then I had a conversation with him and he told me all the legalities of everything. And, um, but yeah, eventually I, uh, got onto, uh, Vahe's team and put together a team of Oplomatos and, uh, and a peregrine falcon, and uh, that year was a complete loss, a waste of... the worst year of your life? Is hands down, probably the worst year of my life, yeah. It was just, <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it, it was very, very rough. And then the following year, I did a contract for Raul in Washington, and I think I broke even that year. And then the following year... Year I, three. Year three, I made some money, and then year four and... F- five and six were really really good years and then I think that was the year that Alyssa and I decided to get serious and I couldn't be running up and down the west coast chasing birds so I had to get a real job and now I lay flooring for a living (laughs) (laughs) abatement was a real job it was we still do have a contract out here um that's seasonal the nampa Mm -hmm. yeah so we chase uh, so I do flooring, uh, vast majority of the time, but we also have a crow contract out here where, uh, yeah, the crows, like 4,000 crows come and plague a shopping center in a city, you know, city. And so but they'd do. been dealing with it for years and years and had no resolution at all. At all. And so it's just really neat that we honestly were able to move that many birds. Oh, yeah. No, we totally, we fixed the problem 100%. We had to go overnight and stay out all night long and just keep chasing them spot to spot. <laughs> um, but we tag teamed it that first year and that was the biggest impact for sure. But that was a lot of birds. Yeah. It'd be fun to, we've had that contract three seasons now. Yeah. So, but... Anyway, that's kind of my abatement experience. What's your vast knowledge <laughs> oh. plethora of? Well, um, I was cleaning up after birds because I'm really good at cleaning. Uh-huh. So I got <laughs> called by a friend and he's like, hey, how do you feel about driving three and a half hours uh, every Tuesday or Thursday night after your class gets out at 10? Just to clean And clean, clean all of our muse on Friday and Saturday. Drive home on Sunday. It's like. Do I get to be near birds? And he said, yeah, I guess. Said, I'm in. So I did that every weekend for during college. Started out working for Craig Golden at landfills, flying Harris Hawks mostly, which had been... Wait, so you just jumped from cleaning to flying birds? Yeah, he kind of started giving me some responsibilities. Mm. And gosh, that was so much fun. I mean, Harris Hawks are super smart and... Um, the bird that we had the most fun catching was crows because they're smart. And so they would play games and they would all line up on this big berm and there'd be like a hundred of them. And it wasn't really technically at the landfill site. So we weren't really too concerned about it, but one by one, as I'm driving past with the hawk on my fist, they know, and they're all leaving. They'd crouch down and get nervous and leave. And then you'd get a brave one. And we had this agreement with the crows that if they would let me catch them, I would let them go or something like that. 
And eventually it evolved into our own company. And I started uh, acquiring contracts in L.A., which is near where I lived. And, um, yeah, I have so many stories, though, dealing with especially homeless people. Yeah. 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 Well, we've got time. (laughs) That's where the rats live, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Tell the story about the mattresses. Oh, no, the mattress story? Yeah. Okay. I was uh, working in downtown LA at an apartment complex and the hawk's up on the roof. And we're kind of just surveying the scene and I see her get intent about something. And I'm like, ugh, this hawk in particular was just all business. And she really didn't care what I was doing or what I wanted. So anyways, I see her. She goes probably three blocks away and under this giant bridge. And then I just see just an explosion of pigeons, and they're everywhere. And so I drive over there as fast as I can, and I'm sure that she's caught one because there's just so many. And I'm looking in all the beams, and I'm not seeing feathers fall down or anything like that. So I get out my old receiver because that's what we had back then. We didn't have GPS in the olden days. (laughs) Antique times. And the signal is not coming from up, but it's coming from down. And I'm on a road. There's no down. And off to, you know, off in the distance is the canal, but it's coming from straight down. So like under me, I'm trying to figure out how this is possible. It must be bouncing. I start walking around trying to pinpoint a location and I see this little crack (laughs) and it's probably two feet wide. And I peek down there, and it's an underworld. (laughs) And that is where my signal is coming from. Uh, So I climb into this hole in the ground, and uh, it turns out that it's like a a passageway system to the canal that the water can travel through, but it's been dry forever. And it's just where hundreds and hundreds of homeless people live. Mm -hmm. And I just see this sight to my left is just in my peripheral of something darting past and i look over and it's my hawk and she's chasing a rat across mattress and there's somebody on it (laughs) (laughs) so i start creeping over there and i step in homeless people poop oh my gosh it doesn't smell like death surprisingly it does smell horrible but nobody smelled dead but i don't think anybody was alive down there i don't know nobody was moving (sighs) <sighs> she never caught a rat. I got yeah. her back, well, and I good. got the heck out of there. That's good. Well, I'm sure you Unscathed. probably yeah. Say <laughs> say probably deloused and stuff whenever you got back up to <laughs> yeah you know, everything too. Yeah, absolutely. Lots yeah. of days like that, but yeah, there's there's a lot of that's just uh, unfortunately one of the sad realities that we live in. You know, yeah, especially in the bigger cities like that. There's lots of places like that that. Yeah, no, I, I'm. I got to talk to a lot of them, though. I mean, not sure. not in that situation. Well, but I'm sure that there's a lot of them that were really nice and pleasant to be around too. I mean, they're always mischievous. <laughs> they're up to something. This one guy hid my trap one day, and he made up this huge long story about how somebody stole it and put it somewhere else. And so I went all the way to where he said. And then when I came back, he's gone, and I see it sticking out of a trash can. <laughs> so he just loved birds. Can't blame him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's always, like I said, I always like talking to abatement people because, you know, guys like Fincher and, and, you know, I, there's so many, there's so many people that have all these just amazing stories and dealing with, especially like downtown contracts and, you know, like inner <laughs> city contracts and stuff. It's just it's amazing. Always, well, that's what I tell the folks who work with me. I'm like, cause they'll complain, you know, like I had this horrible person come up to me. I'm like, you have a story at the end of the day, like for good or for bad, something happened that was exciting and it got your heart rate going and, you know, it's good to have stories at the end of the day. Yeah. You're not sitting at a desk somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it is what you make of it, just like anything, but yeah, abatement can totally be falconry if you try. (laughs) (laughs) You have to want it. Well, as far as that goes, though, I mean, so was it abatement that got you into falconry and not, like, vice versa? Oh, no. I've been trapping birds since I was little. Mm. My dad taught me how to trap when I was six. Um, He used to trap them when he was a kid and sell them to the pet stores in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Before all the regs and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, that's not very nice. But, yeah, (laughs) thinking back on it. I trapped so many kestrels and red tails and we'd just stack them all up. And at the end of the day, when the sunset was really pretty, we'd let them all go like one at a time and try and get these really cool pictures with our old camera. (laughs) Uh, So we displaced a lot of birds and I've, I've learned a lot since then, but (laughs) that was how it started. Yeah. 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 I got my license when I was 18 because my mom wouldn't let me have birds at her house. So I had to wait till I moved out and went to college and did all that. Hmm. Finally got to do it and started with red tails and was lucky enough to meet Scott Timmons, who taught me how to slope soar and just slope soaring red tails in California. I don't know if there's anything better. I was really bummed coming to Idaho because these rabbits are not California rabbits. Yeah, they too just, many holes. Yeah, they just bump from bush to bush. You'll get a good mm-hmm. flight every once in a while, but I brought my California red tail here and he literally quit. Yeah. <laughs> he like wasn't having it. Yeah. So we just let him go. He's probably eating mice out there somewhere. <laughs> Definitely not catching rabbits. But you got to adapt. Now I'm into the long wing thing. And yeah, we had a good season with the Jir- Peregrine Saki last season. It was like Joseph said, hit or miss with the HPAI. We took, I think, three months off, just not really sure what to do. Um, but he ended up catching, I think, 24 ducks and two pheasant. Nice. So not too bad. No. Well, and yeah, I mean, like I said, whenever you kind of go from dirt hawking to long wing, you, I mean, there's sure there's guys out there probably that will take just exorbitant amounts of, you know, heads of game or whatever, but... I don't know. Just from what I've seen, it's kind of like you're, and what a lot of guys swear by is, you know, well, especially once they get into the, uh, the quote unquote upper echelon levels of long wings. Like, it's mm. not about, it's not about the numbers of head of game. Mm-hmm. It's about the flights, you know, that kind of thing. I know? still, I can't get there. Yeah. <laughs> I just want something to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm still a dirt, dirt hawker at heart, I think. Yeah. 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 Seeing the, seeing the flights and stuff, whenever you, go from dirt hawking and you're used to seeing that abundance of flights and you're used to just seeing it consistently. It is hard to kind of transition to send to something different. Well, I didn't know anything. I, we had another business that we were doing for a while 
so I got handed an imprint Jeer Peregrine, like a baby. I didn't know. I'd never done that before. And they're like, well, figure it out. And I was going to. And then the company fell apart and I ended up with the bird. And I'm like, well, there's a pond with ducks on it. <laughs> I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but I have done this with a red tail and rabbit. So let's just <laughs> try and recreate this. So the birds flying, buzzing me, being super annoying like an imprint would be trying to get the lure. And then I run at the ducks and he chases one and puts it back into the water. And I was like, something happened. <laughs> That's almost not terrible. <laughs> and then you yeah. went swimming. It was teal. Oh, yeah, it was teal. Yeah, my his favorite, Corey. And then you went and got it out of the water. And then he ended up catching it, right? Yeah, I think I tossed it for him again. Oh, you chased it until I was so tired. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, Rob, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know anything. Yeah. You're the one who started telling me, like, you have to let the bird go up a certain height before yeah. you flush it. And <laughs> why do you even care to see what happens if it's not up more than 500 feet? Yeah. And then I didn't care. I just <laughs> I didn't care at all. That bird caught a lot of birds. Five hundred pitch minimum. <laughs> Aries caught tons of ducks. He was he caught every single time we went out. Yeah. Yes. Probably caught sixty. Had a game. Seventy. Had a game his first season. Yeah. Yeah. Long wing in general, I think is just it's it's a whole other ball game, and especially if you don't have the right person that is that can be there with you to like hold your hand during the process it's... i don't know i think it's kind of better not having anybody there because <laughs> then you don't feel guilty or bad you just do your thing and if you have any competency you can make it happen yeah i don't know i i really wish like the the time or two that i've tried a bigger long wing. granted it's a lot harder where i'm at to be successful yeah i've with heard it it's than... terrible out there yeah yeah as far it's really you know not super conducive unless you're Unless you have a little more wide open areas with the right quarry, like, like everything else. But, I mean, the mistake I made whenever I tried to learn how to fly a bigger long wing was I asked too many people. Mm -hmm. and, well, that's any any bird. Yeah. You don't ask anybody. Yeah. That's my <laughs> motto. I try. It gets into my head too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still, it's still nice, though, to at least have you know, one person that you know is successful, though, if you have that. I yeah. Mean, you know, it, it's just, I mean, think of how hard it would have been to even get into falconry in general if you didn't have somebody show you. You know, I mean, like, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that, I don't know, like I said, I mean, everybody goes through their, their own, like, path to get yeah, into this. Yeah, for sure. But. It's always easier you know, when you have a guide. Yeah, like for a, sure. Whether it's a story, a book, a person. Yeah an image somehow in your mind of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it just, I don't know, shortens the learning curve. So what long anyway. wings did you try? Well, I mean, I, I tried that imprint, um, prairie and everything was going good with it until I got that bacterial infection and then died overnight. Oh, <laughs> right, that's right, so fun. Right. Right. Before I was ready to start. hunting. Well, that's him. the crazy part about falconry is like you could still do everything right, which is already hard enough. Yeah. And then the bird dies suddenly of something that you right. didn't have any control over. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Murphy's law of, of doing all this for sure. But then it makes you wonder, why do we sign up for it again? 
well, because there's something wrong with this mentally. Because <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the highs are so high. Yeah, the highs are high and the lows are definitely low. That's one of the old sayings. But That's right. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I everybody's got their druthers. I mean, everybody can do what they want to do. It doesn't you know, bother me, really. It, it just, like I said, I know for me personally... I do a lot better if I have one, at least one reliable source to bounce, to bounce back and forth the information with and be like, okay, what am I, what am I really screwing up here? Because it's hard enough to learn how to read every indivi- individual bird that you're ever going to try and fly, you know, initially, but whenever you don't have any experience at all, trying to learn a particular, you know, species or that you've never even tried before, you know, the personality, I'm, you know, personalities from long wings to occipiters to beautios and i mean they're they're so different yeah and if you don't have at least somebody there to to warn you (laughs) what you're getting into it just it just exponentially makes that i don't know for me it it makes the learning curve that much well i've had a few people who have been just so successful with their birds and i just admire the heck out of them and seeing their birds fly is not anything I can relate to because it's so above anything I've ever achieved, but trying to get advice from them and apply it to my own situation, it never works for me. Yeah. And it's either because I'm dumb, which is totally possible. I'm sure you can agree. Mm, mm, no. Baby, no way. What are you talking about? Oh. No. no. Okay. Or, or it's because I don't apply it in the same way. Or we just have a different path. Yeah. That. Well, and not everybody's really meant to be a teacher also. Yeah, not, oh, not, that's true, too. Not everybody is really... Not everyone is... Or, are capable of relaying information in a way that other people can understand it well. Well, that's true too. That's a hundred percent. I think that's part of my learning disability though, is I take things too seriously. And if there's not enough information, I don't know how to use it. Mm. The, the little bit of information that I have, if it's not written out to a T like this is what your whole day is going to look like with this bird. <laughs> my God. Then I just better figure it out on my own. Yeah. 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 It seems, it sounds like you probably just, yeah. One of those types of personalities just likes overthinks a lot. I, if somebody else has any say, then I definitely do. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just a girl. So it yeah. it is interesting how, I mean, there are so many different birds, like you said, long wing, occipiter, budio, and there's not like a particular personality per bird. Like there's not You don't think? I don't think so. I don't think there's like a specific personality for long winging, do you? Well I, yeah, that's you kind mean of as all far the as jokes. people. Yeah. Like, oh, there's I, I there's totally people that are meant to be. Really? Out, that okay. Are well people. maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe I haven't looked into yeah, it. Yeah, come come meet enough. a couple of my friends, you'll understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> you'll you'll see it That's hilarious. Oh okay. yeah. There's there's a reason why some people are so successful with goshawks. Yeah. There's some there's a reason why some people are so successful with peregrines. Right. You know what I mean? There's 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 a reason. Interesting. I guess I don't have enough uh, well, a big enough pool to yeah, <laughs> draw I mean, from. Well, I, I've 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 talked to a lot of people now. Right, right, exactly. So you're see, you're seeing the connections. And I'm an analyzer personality to begin with. Sure. So I'm or I'm like talking to a person. And I'm kind of like, 
<laughs> this makes complete and total I can sense. See where this so, is going. so, so, what do yeah. you, in your experience have you seen like accipiters, for example? What traits of a person makes a successful person ostring or a person that flies accipiters? I don't. You know, like I said, I don't know. It, it, it boggles my mind because there's some there one or two friends that I have in particular that really don't have any patience for anything else, <laughs> but they will sit there and, you know, just be so patient with their goshawks, for example. And you're just like, I, I don't understand because you're not, it's the same, it's the same kind of mentality too. It's just like, go, 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 go. And how are exhibitors? They mm -hmm. want to, Go, 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 go. You know what I mean? Like so they're trying to get on the same wavelength with their bird. They don't have to be on, they don't have to try. They're already on they, that. That's, that's the mentality. <laughs> yeah. like, it's the same type of mentality, for example, like, and it's just funny because it's the same type, you, this same person, you know, they'll be able, like, they'll have the patience to be able to sit in a deer stand for hours, several, you know, days during like deer hunting season. And you're like, I don't know how you do that. Mm -hmm. Like, cause every other aspect of your life isn't. You can't sit still. You that. would never think that <laughs> yeah. they could be capable. Yeah, but like, but I'm just saying, like, some people you can just, you can just tell, you know, they're just, I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, they're the people that just can't sit still. They got to go. They got to go. They got to be doing something. They got to, and they're so like tunnel vision focused on certain things. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's an exhibitor when, when it hunts? It's yeah, tunnel so vision. Tunnel basically vision, the, you know? the falconer mimics their bird. I didn't even think it's a mimic thing. They just think the same way. They like, understand their bird. Yeah. Well, it's, and, and yeah, I mean, that's it, why it's, they're drawn to that species. Yeah. And it's just, it's not even, I don't even know if it's just a, an understanding as much as they just see a lot of the same qualities mm -hmm. in, innately. I don't know. Maybe this is just me being, you know, over analytical. There's gotta too, be but. something to it. I mean, there's a reason I prefer long wings and some people prefer red tails. Like, yeah, and you There's got to be a reason. I just want something that kills the things that I have around here. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever that is. Well, and it's the same It's the same thing, too, with some people. I mean, you, you know why they fly Harris Hawks and will never fly anything other than Harris Hawks, too. Mm -hmm. you, you, you see this person over here, and you're like, okay. And you get to know them for a while, and you're like, you will never fly an exhibitor. Right. It's just not going to happen. Well, they might try it out. No, they you you know that won't even happen. No. Yeah. Okay. No, I know people like that too. You just you got this down to a T. I know oh, this I mean, guy's amazing. I'm just I'm just like. <laughs> what kind of personality am I? Come on, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> well, you've already you know you've already declared that. I mean, like you. I mean, like I said, it's it's some people are just geared to want or predisposed to be. Adventurous. more tolerant of, of certain species than others mm -hmm. and i mean that's i mean that's why i think you guys like long wings so much just the the short amount of time that i've gotten to know you guys you know i mean a little bit more chill a little bit more laid back you know same thing with harris hawks and stuff too you know um and hmm. you know and then there's other people that just can't sit still and they're just constant gluttons for punishment and stuff and just want to and then they go climb a tree and get an owl yeah, <laughs> I I don't know very many people that have willingly tried that. But, you know, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. That... Some people have been successful, but they've all said the same thing. I wouldn't recommend this if you're trying to actually catch game. 
Yeah. <laughs> They've all said that. Well, I mean, it's the it same has. thing with people that have tried to fly ospreys and stuff too, you know, whatever. But, but yeah. You well, have to really like to eat those pond fish <laughs> to get that going. Yeah. I mean, just, you have to really be overly fond of a particular, and I think that's the root of it too. I mean, if you, if you absolutely love the look and just are predisposed to love a certain species, then I think you're automatically going to be more patient or tolerant wanting it to work too that's true but you know i don't know i've found too that like the first time i've worked with a new species whatever it is that bird usually turns out really good and then after that i have like a notion of what i'm thinking the bird should turn out like Mm -hmm. and i i don't know if i'm rushing the process or if i'm irritated that this bird isn't exactly like the last one yeah so they never turn out the same as that very first one. It's kind of like how people get in their heads that a bird should fly at a certain weight when in reality the bird's weight ends up being the bird's weight. not what Whatever they that think, is. Not, not what they think it should be. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I just think of my first year peregrine and there will never be another one like him. Or your first Merlin. Yeah, my first Merlin was great. She well, was... no, 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 no. Your second Merlin. Your first Merlin. Well, technically my, Yeah. But the first Merlin that I had was trained by somebody else. Okay. So the first Merlin you actually trapped. And trained myself. That was a dynamite bird. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And my first red tail, she was great in every way. She was easygoing, but Keller on game. You and... should get an eagle, babe. First eagle. That'd be <laughs> cool. Like it doesn't even have anything to do with my mindset at the time. That Merlin, I was like, I'm just going to mess around with this until it's not fun. So mm-hmm. it's not like I poured my heart and soul into her. Sure. Just, that's just what ended up happening. Just a little bit more patient, I think, when it's your first time. Yeah. Trying yeah. to read the bird and really paying attention and adjusting to their needs, whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah. Mindset has a lot to do with it overall, I think. But yeah, I don't know. What's... um. So I guess we can transition. I know you guys will have a lot of really neat, probably like individual stories and stuff too. But as far as like, you know, especially with the dynamic of being a, a married falconry mm-hmm. couple, oh, like gosh. whatever couple your more, <laughs> more favorite stories together. First one that comes to my hunting. head is we uh-huh. are out in <laughs> like Emmett area and she had her uh bird aries who she mentioned is her first long wing dynamite bird like incredible killed like 60 70 head a game her his first season did not take a high pitch did not take a high pitch probably didn't need it he was so good 100 200 foot pitch the occasional <laughs> four so embarrassing occasional 400 foot pitch but anyway i just remember this particular hunt we were out chasing pheasants and pheasants for Anybody that knows, it's a very ratty quarry that after the initial flight, it will rat out and run into cover, and it's very hard to get out. So anyway, we park, we put the bird up, and we're chasing the pheasant, and all of a sudden, Liss is out there chasing the pheasant, and then this car comes, this truck comes in, parks behind us, and blocks us in. It's the landowner, obviously, and this is when we first moved here, and... We're not used to California where nobody cares about where you park or where you're at. Like this is Idaho. 
people do not like it when you're on their property and they will shoot you immediately. <laughs> so anyway, Liz is out chasing her bird and the pheasant. And, I don't care what property lines I'm crossing. And she's crossing multiple crop- property lines at this time. And I'm like, okay, like I'm going to put on, you know, deal with this landowner and get permission to be on here. A job that I, you've done and, several times since then. Yes, there's been a number of times where I've had to sweet talk our way out of situations. But anyway, this particular <laughs> time, I tell the landowner what we're doing and, you know... Is there any way that we could get permission here and, you know, give him the whole spiel? And he's like, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and in fact, I have like 2000 acres that you can hunt whenever you want. And that's loaded with pheasants. And anyway, so I'm like getting the situation under control at the car. And I think I was even changing the baby's diaper at the time. (laughs) And then we go over. Alyssa killed the pheasant with her bird and she's over there salty that I didn't help flush and get the pheasant. You know how much easier it would have been if you had been over there? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So anybody that's married or has a girlfriend or has ever dealt with a woman knows exactly what I went through. And his face looks exactly how you would imagine right now. Yeah. (laughs) Telling this story. (laughs) So anyway, that's just the first couple... um, falconry trip that comes to to mind but i am the one who gets in trouble every time and he always has to fix yes, it yes there's been a number of times and another one real quick we parked somewhere we were flying her red tail and then i was like we should probably get permission here even though it's like in a very rural area so for me it's like on the side of the road a field there's no fence there's no signs it's just an open field this is idaho babe well, I understand that now, and I have better respect for it, but <laughs> I would never think that somebody would have a problem if we were walking in a field. Right. Anyway. So anyway, we're flying her red tail, and then there's like these kids riding dirt bikes, and I'm like, who owns this property? He's like, Jim Jones. That's my dad. And I was like, okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. I need to ask him if we can be here. And then anyway, we're flying the bird, and then all of a sudden I see two ginormous diesel trucks park and block our truck in and then <laughs> trouble never all of a good sudden I see this ginormous redneck dude walking at us and and i intercepted him first and, and he's like hi my name is Alyssa," and he doesn't give he literally sh- said get the f out of my way i'm about to kill this guy yeah she, he's like i don't care about you at all and he just like marches toward me I'm like, so you're the dog. trouble you're the like, cause of the trouble no, if i was there by myself it would have been fine i guess so because and my had, bird wasn't coming because back. you had a, a dude with you anyway <laughs> this guy's like get the f out of my property and yada yada i'm calling the cops and i'm like oh my gosh i told Alyssa <laughs> not to fly here and anyway um and her bird's not coming down at this time it's her which bird was this was that this was rumor oh yeah this is her crider's red tail it's not coming down it's being a dumb bird Alyssa's flying it fat again and so she's trying to get her bird down. And then I walk back to those two guys that are super angry. And I'm like, hey, like, I'm sorry that we're here. Um, you know, at least let me buy you a drink or something. And he's like, well, people come here and they dump their stuff and they shoot the foxes and they shoot the hawks. And I'm like, well, we're the opposite of that. We're falconers. We train hawks and falcons. And, you know, and I actually had my bird in the car. So I showed it to him. And he's like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> and 
I end up smooching smooching it over like always when Liz gets us into pickles. And meanwhile, uh, I'm just standing under my bird like 300 yards away, just waiting for it to come down yeah. and hoping that this problem super, goes away. Super embarrassing. Yeah, hoping that they're not going to mind that you're there yeah, overnight. Hoping that Joseph <laughs> is still alive. Rolling out your sleeping bag. Yeah. Well. So anyway, we got out of the situation. But yeah, after that first year of falconry in Idaho, it was definitely an eye opener to... You yeah, know, permission. You'd need permission. Doesn't matter how rural or out in the middle of nowhere you are. People care about where you're at. It's not California. It's yeah. not Arizona. You in a lot of states. <laughs> yeah. Seventy-five percent of the time, you get told no. Yeah. People don't like. I mean, for good reason. I mean, I wouldn't want people on my property that didn't. I ask. just that. The number, the first response everybody has is, this is private property, you're <laughs> trespassing. I don't know where they come from. They, like, pop out of the grass. <laughs> There's no one around for miles and miles. private property. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't imagine going out my front door and shouting that at anybody that's on our place. Yeah. I don't know. It's just very odd to me. But, but well, Have you not- had a situation actually happen yet? Yeah, lots of times. Where people are just out in your driveway and just kind of, you know, look like they're no, they they for actually usually are out there taking pictures, like like senior senior pictures. Like I guess they think it's yeah. Amazing. That ended up happening a lot. I've never had a problem. <laughs> no, we've never chased them out, but no. Yeah, no. Being a uh, couple falconry couple has been interesting, and it, there is a billion pros, and then there's definitely a few cons. Um. You know, obviously, I think the biggest one that when we first started dating our first falconry season uh-huh. was that we butted heads because I had my idea of what you should do, or you had your idea of what I should do. And if we didn't do that, then yeah, we were we upset. Get butt hurt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember the pheasant. What was that? Your red tail? What are you talking about? You're trying to get it down with our $15 pheasant. Oh, okay. And yeah. I was like, you should just use the pigeon. It's free uh-huh. instead of using our $15 pheasant. Uh-huh. And you were so upset. And then I got upset. And then we had well, a I bad get upset day. Every time you flush for your bird, and it's not over 500 feet. So <laughs> well, you still went hawking with me all the time, though. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's a true show of love. Yeah. You had to witness that horrible falconry. I feel like over time we've definitely <laughs> adapted to we know what which bird needs like the good slips, for example. Like if one of us has a newer bird and it definitely needs the better slip, you know, then you know, we're both very understanding about you know, yeah, no, you take that slip or no, you know what, I really need this, you know, and yeah, so far we, we haven't had to fight too much about it these no, last two we've been, seasons. We've been pretty dang understanding about it. What was the time when Saki caught that duck in the middle of the road and you had to get there like <clears throat> and that guy almost ran him over? And was that at the playhouse pond? Uh-huh. Playground pond. Yeah, you flushed him many, many times. I don't remember that. <laughs> I too flushed well. the duck many, many times. <laughs> and you flushed many, many ponds and canals to get different ducks up. And then he caught the duck in the middle of the road and the guy almost ran him over. But oh. I don't remember anything super significant about that one. Well, I felt like you saved him. <laughs> Other than the fact that he first. almost, you know, got ran over. But anyway. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Couples Fun. and falconry. Fun times. But it works out. Obviously, there's so many benefits, namely like 
I'm out of town, you can take care of the birds, no problem. We can help each other with the husbandry. We understand. I don't the care lifestyle. about dead stuff in the fridge. Yes, <laughs> very nice. Yeah, I, I think I think hobbies are a lot like professions too. You know, it's like being married to someone that has the same profession as you. You would think that that would be. You think that would elicit a lot more like understanding and whatever, but no, it it it, <laughs> it really doesn't. It turns into like well. Who had the worst night? <laughs> you know, whatever. I can see it being kind of similar with, with Falconry. I will say that Alyssa is a complete doll after she's killed something in the field, and there's a lot more fun That's to hang out with. That's every Falconer ever. Yeah. That's every Falconer in the history of ever, dude. It's a doll to hang out with after yeah. they've gotten the Are you kill. sure you don't want to fly Stocky tonight? Yeah, babe. He's, he's only 50 there, grams there, heavy. There you just try it. That, that pond down the road has a few ducks in it. You want to go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Hell hath no fury like a Falconer with an empty game bag. Yeah, uh, not that, good. That I don't usually let with, that happen. Especially when everybody else has has something in theirs. Mm-hmm. Well, fun times, fun times, guys. Well, what do you think would be the the best piece of advice for that you could pass on to people that are either wanting to get into the sport or currently in the sport? Um, future generations, whatever the case, I what do you think you've learned or other people could benefit from knowing? Like the question. most, most well, I know thing. what I would say. Go ahead. I'm still thinking. <clears throat> I would say that it's supposed to be fun. So, mm. like, everybody gets so caught up in that they owe this bird something. And in reality, like, there's some pairings that are just not meant to be. And, of course, it's always work to trap a new bird. It doesn't just start out liking you. But at a certain point, like, you're supposed to get to the fun part. <laughs> and I think people forget that. And just with animals in general, like all these people get stuck with animals that they complain about. And it's like animals are supposed to bring us joy and vice versa. Like we can't give an animal the life that it deserves either if we hate it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my advice is just to um, do it as long as it brings you joy. And if not, then try something else. And then I would say... Um, Listen to your gut because there are definitely going to be times where you have to make a decision with your bird, whether that's to fly or not, whether that's to, you know, end a hunt early, whether that's to, you know, in my, my situation this past year, you know, whether it was to cop my bird up or not, like listen to your gut if you have a little voice in your brain saying like hey maybe you shouldn't do there maybe you should do this like that's not nothing that's definitely you know an instinct that's telling you something that's very important and it could so. even be as much as like having a season at all yeah no exactly 100 oh, percent um that little voice is going to be there and it's a real thing and I would just say, yeah, listen to your gut. Make sure you're having fun, like Alyssa said. Like the the moment it's not fun anymore, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, and listen to your gut. Sweet. Well, hell yeah. <laughs> sounds like a good note to end on after uh, that fun catch up conversation that we just had during this 
spring rendezvous week. I'm glad that um, I'm glad that things worked out to where I could come up and um, and hang out. And like I said, thank you again for putting me up and putting yeah. up with me. I guess I can't believe say, that you came here. And just... As long as you don't mind sleeping with the beanie boos, you're you're <laughs> always welcome. Yeah? You set all this up after a long day of travel and had the energy to do this interview, and it's, it's that's a l- amazing. Lumberjack man, it's, it's just that. Yeah, I don't know. I've done it so many times now that it just is what it is, you know. And now tomorrow's a full day of rendezvousing. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, hopefully <laughs> you'll get a few more interviews in by the end of the weekend. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to force it, you know. If it, if it happens, it happens. If if not, then that's that's cool, too. But uh, I'm glad I at least got one in. Hell know? yeah. So, anyway, awesome. Well, I'll have one more beer here and then uh, probably go to bed. It's, yeah, it's like... 10 15 and what time <laughs> is it at your house 12 um, yeah 11 something right, whatever <laughs> uh, like i said i've just come off string of five night shifts so it's all good oh i don't gosh. i don't have a sleep schedule oh, at this point. Boy. thanks for having us jonathan for sure thank you